Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you hungry for adventure? Do you crave hilarious and perilous tabletop campaigns? Don't bother rolling perception, pal. We've got you covered. Behold! Dungeons and Doritos, Nerdy Show's epic tabletop audio drama, a cinematic serial of mayhem-filled, morally questionable quests at DungeonsAndDoritos.com. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here with another episode of Flame On. It is our monthly recap show of the best and brightest in pop culture, or at least what we find to be the best and brightest in pop culture. <laughs> and uh, we <laughs> sometimes it may not be the best and brightest, but it's fun to talk about. I am being joined today by the whole gamut of villainous crew members. I don't know. I don't know why, why you're all the villains, but I liked it better. I watched Legendary's Capes and Tights Ball, and I thought that uh, the villains should have won more than they did. But I was very happy that that last um, tag team won one. Because oh, yeah. when, when the one tried to put the cape over her face, and she's like, Watch up, him! <laughs> I lost my shit. And then when they when they were judging, and they were like, When you did that, get over here? I was like, Oh, yes. Okay, cool. All right. We're on the same page, y'all. <laughs> but I'm being joined by the entire cast coming to you from the West Coast of the United States. We've got Brian. Hello. And joining us from the East Coast. It's like y'all are in different times. Some of y'all are living in the future. Some of y'all are living in the past. I don't know what's going on for either of you. But we've got BJ. Hi. We've got Eric. Howdy. And look who's not dead. And he's actually back on an episode. <laughs> Josh is here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Who? Exactly, we don't know her. We forgot about her. <laughs> hey, Bri- Brian, um, how's your oxygen content going uh, over there? It's much better now. 
<laughs> I, I saw the, I saw the picture of you in the and like your cobbled together oxygen like breathing apparatus. And Girl, I'm, you let me just say you take air for granted. Let me we all do. I think uh, when you when you can't go out of your house and not like cough and choke on the atmosphere, it's it's a blessing. So, Even if you've got COVID slapping you in the face, at least you can breathe there. So, well, maybe not for those on respirators with COVID. We wah, might want to clarify that one. Wah, wah. But it's, it's, so I started school again and I'm taking intro to ecology. And the best part slash worst part about this year is the fact that since literally like a chunk of the U.S. is on fire, I got to use that as one of my discussions for class, and it actually put me ahead on my coursework. So I was, I was like, oh yeah, a friend of mine's dealing with this sort of thing right now in the biome that he inhabits, and everybody in the class responds with, y- your tone sounds way too happy. Maybe you <laughs> should, maybe you should be a little bit less happy. <laughs> like even my professor was just like, those are some really good points. Is your friend alive? Yes. <laughs> Good. Okay. The world's on fire! Yay! I'm sorry. I, I was like, oh wow, this is so ecologically like incredible, and everybody's like, it's bad, but you're right, this is interesting. And I was like, well, I could have a time machine to survey how everything would be afterwards. Is one of my lines in my discussion, so we, I, was, I was thinking about you in a very mad scientific oh, way. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I just love that uh, there are conspiracy theorists out there on the TikTok and other social medias that oh, are using um, the fires and the U.S. Uh, agricultural maps that show the fires to try to debunk the fact that, like, it's a, it's a problem and that it's not, like, man-made or, you know, like, it's being done for a reason because the fires stop at the Canadian border and there's apparently the hot fireman that's out there debunking them. And he's like, um, that's because it's a U.S. map. Like, why would we show the Canadian stuff? And it's just funny, like, to see people willfully be ignorant uh. about how these things work. Like, but honestly, at this point, uh, at the end of September 2020, the fact that that's even, like, that should not shock me in the slightest anymore. Like, I'm just... I'm. I'm all out of shock I'm, I'm for how it, society is. 2020's miscongeniality is willful ignorance. We're just going to go ahead and call it. I'm just going to go ahead and make the crown. Willful <laughs> ignorance. Miscongeniality. She's been embraced by all the winner, facets. The winner of the 2020 pageant of doom is misinformed. <laughs> misinformed. Please come and take your title. Coming to the stage, misinformed. Perfect. Oh my god, they like me. They really like me. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, they, but I said on Twitter you do, so. It's official. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, now that the gang is all back together, we are going to talk about the uh, pieces of pop culture that uh, have been enticing our attention away from the craziness of the world, and uh, for the most part, giving us a little something to uh, be happy about. So I am going to throw it over to Eric. Eric, I don't know if you've ever started off the discussion, so I'm going to try to shake it up for the end of 2020, and uh, I'm going to give you the floor first. What is your topic that you would like to discuss? Well, 
I'm kind of a basic bitch sometimes, and I like cheesy reality competition shows. So <laughs> wait, wait, sometimes? Yeah, just sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes I have substance. <laughs> I believe you do. <laughs> um, but Dancing with the Stars is back. It's season twenty-nine. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Yeah, her too. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on a sec. 29? So they run how many many seasons a year? Um, Too many. Sometimes two. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even realize that. Yep. Well, that's like how Chopped is at like season 50 something and they've only been doing it for like 14 or 15 years. Wow. Yeah, it's just like how um, Survivor, they're on season 40-something. Uh, these are all shows that I know of, and Shop's the only one I've ever watched, really. Although, I guess I watched Survivor, like, back when that gay guy, Richard Hatch, remember remember years ago? Like, I feel like like lifetimes ago, he was on... You know, on the first, the first season of Survivor? <laughs> That's how long it's been. Because <laughs> he was in... He was, uh... Didn't he go to jail so he couldn't compete on, like, the... The uh, they did some like all star reunion uh, like cast that they were gonna do, and he uh, yeah, he was on like yeah the, fir- uh, the on first home arrest yeah the first all star season he wasn't able to be on because he was under home arrest because he didn't pay his tax. which was still in like two thousand and eight. But yes, Dancing with the Stars is back. Uh, but there are some notable changes, uh, mostly that oh yes, mostly that there was drama with. Uh, Tyra Banks taking over the hosting duties and kicking Tom Bergeron to the curb uh, because she is now a producer on the show. And so I guess she said, hey, I want to host it. And so ABC was like, okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And it's just her. She's the first. It's the first time it's just a solo host because it was Tom Bergeron and that other lady. Uh, Aaron and then Edwards. I think they changed out ladies, right? Yeah, Aaron Edwards, who had been on for... Oh, she had been on for like eight or nine seasons. She had been a previous contestant that they brought back to kind of co-host. Um, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was a planned replacement, so it was kind of a surprise to everybody when they announced the new season, including to Tom and Aaron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was... So, um, she did okay. It was just, I like Tom. Um, also, the head judge, Len Goodman, uh, is not returning because he's stuck in London. Because he can't travel to L.A. right now. Uh, they didn't just put a TV up in his spot so he <laughs> could uh, broadcast in? They did not. Um, oh, that's sad. So they brought uh, Derek Huff in to judge. Who he is a worthy judge. He was a uh, he's won a, a number of Mirrorball trophies. So he did a good job uh, as a judge. Also, there's no audience, but they have a clap track. <laughs> oh, and their sound guy no. likes the clap track. A lot. Oh no! And oh no! To the point where I think it almost just got stuck, and they couldn't find a way to turn it off the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And it was loud and intrusive, and it was just hard to hear people talk. Exactly. 
It's kind of like me with the soundboard. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there are some interesting people on the cast. Uh, AJ from the Backstreet Boys. I was going to say, the the use of the term stars has really been um, stretched very thin uh, in in quite a few of the seasons (laughs) that we've gotten. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like my life on the Dancing with the Stars list. <laughs> um, so you have AJ from the Backstreet Boys. Uh, he did okay. Um, Jesse Metcalf, which just the name didn't do anything for me, but he's a very attractive man now. Apparently, he was on Desperate Housewives. Yeah, he's he's. Had you a couple don't movies. remember Jesse Metcalf? No. In like oh. 2004, that's like all that was in the tabloids and the uh, like Us Weeklies about his role in Desperate Housewives. Oh, plus and he his did ass a, uh, in that first episode. Figgy fine. He also ended up doing a dead or alive. No, one of those zombie games, Dead Something, Dead Rising. He did a like cable Dead Rising movie. Which I don't think did well, but uh, it was a popular game series. Hmm. I was going to say, I don't think his career has been illustrious. No. But he is quite the eye candy. Oh, 100%. Yes. From One Day at a Time, Justina Machado, uh, the lead actress. And she actually tied for the top score of the night, so... Which I was really happy Yay. about. Yeah. Um, you have... She was She was also... She's been on something else recently, and I'm trying to remember, because I know like I know that she's on One Day at a Time. She's in the lead role in that. There was something else recently she's in that I saw Virgin. her on. Oh, 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 Superstore. Oh, yeah. yeah Superstore. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been on the uh, on the most recent season. She was the... Um, like, District uh, Manager. Was it Zephyr? Whatever the the new company was, yeah, they sent her, and she was the the replacement for uh, the Coke Fiend district manager that they had before <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> she she is there is something so endearing and warm about her um, in whatever role she's acting that like I I, I truly just I, I enjoy seeing her on the screen. Yeah, she had quite the flair to her and great energy. Uh, yeah. She's good people to watch. Uh, Nev Shulman from Catfish. Uh, Nelly. I'm assuming that's the MTV show, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Not just a not 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 just a catfish uh, <laughs> fisher out there. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, apparently he was the first catfish. Like he was caught by the first catfish. Like there was a documentary just about him that then launched the MTV show. Uh, ah. Uh, Nelly. I was gonna say because I mean my my life back in the, uh, the 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 late '90s was a lot of catfish, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, back to Nelly. Nelly, <laughs> yeah, the rapper. <laughs> was Kelly rolling on the side of the side of the stage with her uh, with her sidekick. her her sidekick <laughs> and texting oh. him via uh, Microsoft Excel, Excel. <laughs> and then getting mad that he wouldn't respond to her. <laughs> 
No, unfortunately. She hates that so much. She hates it so much. But but it is the most amazing thing. And Brian is having no reaction to it. I don't think he knows what we're talking about at all. So nope. I am so clueless. It's not even I've just I've just gone to my happy place. I just don't. And I didn't know about that until um I let like the job I worked for uh like the last two and a half years because when I first started I got a client who I was trying to say, email us here. And then he's like, Excel? I was like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, it was the mobile browser too. I was like, what mobile browser are you using? What do you mean? How do you get on the internet? Excel? Sir, Excel is not a browser. And ever since everybody around me heard that, it became this thing. And next thing you know, everybody starts sending me these memes of kelly Rowland texting in excel and it became this floor wide joke but prior to that i did not know the reference yeah, i mean it's, i didn't know oh until recently because it would be memified across the internet but yes no kelly Rowland. but johnny weir is here oh <laughs> which figure skaters usually do pretty good on the show and then there's a couple Netflix ladies. Uh, if you know the documentary. Ooh, one of them I know. One of them I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm excited about it. But I don't know her for the reason that, that everybody else knows her. I know her for something <laughs> completely different. So you're probably talking about the cheerleading head coach from the document series Cheer on Netflix. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's not who I know. No, then that would be... Uh, uh, Monica Aldama, uh, and she did fine. She's going to be okay because she's got tons of cheerleading experience. Um, but then there's pulling up the rear is uh, Carol Baskin. From oh, you didn't, even tell, you didn't even mention the one I do uh, that I did know. Oh. Is it the Selling Sunset one? Yes. Oh, Trishelle uh, <laughs> Strauss. Trishelle. Yeah. Yes, um, she was she was on All My Children back in like the early two thousands, and um, yeah, yeah, from my stories, from my stories. But um, <laughs> apparently, the one of the she played, I think, Amanda Dillon. Um, but yeah, like she back in the day, and then when I saw her name, I was like, I know her. Like, I know her from, from acting, and then I found out that it was Netflix, and I was like, oh, okay, so still acting, and then I found out it was a reality, like, um, you know, property-selling show, that she's a realtor, and I was like, oh, so acting, but you're a realtor. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just wanted to share that with y'all, so. everything about her. <laughs> <laughs> she's gorgeous, though. Absolutely gorgeous. And then yes, let's yeah. talk about the one that uh that that got the most attention when the cast was announced. I mean, and that's the only reason she was cast really, because she has no hope to really do anything this season. Uh they saved her dance for last to build up the anticipation cuz maybe she was going to do good cuz everything that she was shown of her entire king said she's a dancer. <laughs> But they outfit her in all this uh, 
Tiger, tiger garb. They made her dance to Eye of the Tiger. Oh boy! I was gonna say if she didn't dance to Eye of the Tiger, I was gonna I was gonna end this meeting, <laughs> leave meeting. <laughs> I mean, it could have. I mean, I'm sure next week she's gonna be dancing to Roar by Katy Perry, probably, and uh, and, <laughs> My, and then she'll be gone. I'm, I would be Jay. <laughs> well, so well, here's the, the thing: thing is, I don't. There's think really she no. Will. There's really no danceable tiger music that I can think of. Eye of the Tiger, Roar. I mean, we were already giving you the one. <laughs> neither, ne- I was going to say, neither one of those two sound like, feel feel like a dance song. You could go with, like, the Pussycat songs, of yeah, which there's several. I mean, they, they got work. options. They got options. Okay. I mean, Eye of the Tiger was the perfect song for the Paso Doble. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the fact that Roar still has the line, I've got the eye of the tiger. Like, it, yeah. so, I mean, we're, we're pretty much just going with anything that literally has the words, <laughs> eye of the tiger, as the songs that they're going to they're gonna have her dance to. Uh, oof. Yeah, but it's going to be one of those things where, luckily, last season they built it in that the two lowest score people then have a dance off and the judges pick who is saved. So that way, even oh, middle America is probably going to vote their hearts out for Carol Baskins. Hopefully she doesn't stick around too long. Cause it's just painful. <laughs> it's painful for Who ended up us. going home first. They Nobody didn't vote anybody home. off the first week. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So the judges score is just get added to next week. at when the, audience gets to start voting so it'll be a season for sure (laughs) (laughs) it will be be a season season. (laughs) i i will say like i've never really watched dancing with the stars um i did watch this episode clearly just because carol baskin was in it so we had to get together um and i will admit the show is very good to watch stoned <laughs> Especially when you're watching it with, like with a veteran who's like, "Oh, I've been watching this show like the whole entire time," because oh, she's kind of like she can guess a lot of the judges' scores. So um, all of a sudden, you know, now I'm lo- oh my god, <laughs> and there it is. I wonder how Nelly I mean, feels about that meme. I mean, if if I had the access to it, I'm, I may try doing that in the future, but because I'm sure it would make Anne Heche more enjoyable to watch. She's just crazy <laughs> bonkers. Uh, but yeah, that's Dancing with the Stars season twenty nine on ABC. On ABC. One two three. <laughs> you know me. Josh, so obviously you watched it. Any other any other tidbits that you want to add into uh, our, our Dancing with the Stars conversation? Uh, nope. Uh, it was rather enjoyable, surprisingly enough uh, for me. And um, I don't think Carol Baskin is going to be voted off right away. I mean, yes, she did get one of the lowest, but the crowd is uh, probably going to keep her in at least a round or two. I love her! I mean, Sean Spicer stuck around for half a season. <laughs> Horrifying. I don't have a dispute sound, um, <laughs> but if I did, I would I would blare it now. I feel like you should just record Brian going. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> How 
How do you feel about the bread? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, y'all know that I, I made uh, Eric's ringtone when he, <laughs> when he texted me. I still have that. <laughs> Who'd want to talk to poor people? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ah! Sound bites are are my favorite thing to get from this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is Dancing with the Stars. What night or nights is it on? Uh, it's on this Tuesday. <laughs> Eric's like, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> Mondays. No. Yes. Mondays. Except Mondays. it's Tuesday this week. Is it okay. only one night or do they do like two nights of like I mean, the dancing and then the results show? But it's just one night now. Gotcha, gotcha. They've streamlined it? Yep. Gotcha. Yes, in this COVID world, everything is getting streamlined. Uh, American Ninja Warrior came back, and uh, they they changed how everything is done. There's no more city like prelims and finals and whatnot. They're doing it in the stadium in, I think, Kansas City, Missouri. And um, they have everything done, and like they're doing uh, X number of weeks. Uh is that some sort of like stitched together corgi that's now in the screen? <laughs> oh, I have one of those. I got it from Universal. What? It was, it's it was cute. It's a little figure. Only we had the streaming video to the internet. I know. If only. <laughs> so what I'm holding is um, a little skeleton guy dressed as a werewolf. Oh, it's a werewolf. It looked like a corgi the way that you were it holding did. it in just All the right. top half That's of his head. There. Like, <laughs> I was like, aw, floof butt. <laughs> Not a floof butt. But yeah, it, it's the, the, the 2020 season for these reality shows is definitely very, uh, very different. But that is Dancing with the Stars, season number 472, now airing on ABC. Go check it out, and please don't vote for Carol Baskin because we would like to uh, get back to normalcy at some point in the near future. The the, the opinions of the hosts do not reflect the opinions of <laughs> Flame On as a whole. I say this as the host and the person who who puts the show out. Are you sure? Because I think we all have that same opinion. <laughs> all right, good. Well, nobody backed me up on it, so I wasn't sure. Uh, I, I'm, I still want to wear sweatpants everywhere, so um, I don't know I mean, how I feel about getting back to normal. Nothing says you can't. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> All right. Well, BJ, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your topic for the month of September. It was, it was the sweatpants for Mark, wasn't it? Um, it was. <laughs> it's the sweatpants for um, Mark that did it for me. <laughs> so... Uh, I know we talked about, we've been talking about it on and off, but uh, we are, uh, what, on month number four or five, I believe, of HBO Max uh, having been released. It hasn't been out for that long. Um, but uh, it's been interesting because it's got, it has so many networks kind of piled onto it, and it's also become a safe haven um, for all of the DC Universe shows that are now being booted off DC Universe because DC Universe is officially ending. Um, in its current somewhat. form. It's, in its current form. In its form. current form. It is, it is going to be continued as a, uh, a comic app 
similar to Marvel Unlimited. Um, and what is it going to be called? Which I think... <laughs> is it DC Universe Unlimited? That's it. That's it. So, in the vein <laughs> of Marvel Unlimited, now you have DC Universe Unlimited. <laughs> Next which, to Comicsology Unlimited. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, funny enough, since everything has moved to HBO Max, so... Um, Harley Quinn's moved to HBO Max. It is getting a third season that is only going to be on HBO Max. Um, whatever the hell they're planning on doing with Titans, uh, that's moving to HBO Max. Um, Doom Patrol season three, it was renewed. Uh, it will, its third season will be exclusively on HBO Max. Um, and I believe nobody's a hundred percent sure yet, but Young Justice may or may not be headed to HBO Max. I do know they are coming out with a fourth season, um, but they have not said where exactly they're going to land in this shifting environment, because um, Warner Brothers pretty much owns everything um, DC, and now they can just shift it all to HBO Max, because if you have HBO Max, you'll see there is a Warner Brothers module uh, in the little hub. So... Uh, it's really interesting. I, depending on what they drop the price to, they've already dropped my uh, my yearly renew price for um, DC Universe twice. So now it's like forty bucks a year. So, uh, which I have been reading comics on it. I, I'm not gonna lie, I've actually caught up on a lot of DC, um, some really good DC stuff, um, like Heroes in Crisis and stuff like that. Um, they've actually sped up what they have available on there. So now it's no longer like stuff from yesteryear. It's actually stuff from probably less than a year ago. Um, I'll at least keep it till Joker war finishes and Joker war ends up on there. Um, but in validating VJ, I just want you to know that you're successfully validating the business model that they hoped would work, but then didn't, which is why they're doing HBO max. So congratulations. (laughs) You are you are after the fact proving them right and then wrong. I mean, they, well, I'm not gonna lie. They got me because here's the thing: I was I had no plans on getting HBO Max whatsoever, and then I was cleaning my I was doing my monthly email clean out because I had to get used since I'm back in school now. I have to get used to checking my email like an adult. Um, and there was a little link in there that was like, "Oh, I can get HBO Max for six six bucks a month for like the rest of the year because I, I I was one of the first people to get DC universe. I was like, okay, cool. I'll try that. And now I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to drop DC universe because I'm going to keep HBO max. So on HBO Max's front that they made a good decision hooking up with uh, Warner brothers and everything and all their DC properties that they've absorbed um, and continuing. Cause I will say DC Universe had a good idea. I don't think they were ready for the resources or they they were they had the content, they just did not understand the execution. It was like a whole bunch of people who write comics and who manage a comic book company were like, we're gonna start a streaming service and didn't talk to any of their television people on their payroll. They they literally were like, we're going to do a thing, and all the people that know this thing, we're just going to let them hang out with HBO. Um, so, it's... 
it's super uh it's super interesting how that's going to kind of work out um but in the meantime uh i have been using the ever living hell out of my um hbo max i have uh indulged in a steven universe marathon uh with a friend of mine who's never seen the show never he's seen memes of the show and that's it um do they have future on there uh they actually just so they just added the movie and they just added future like about a month ago so the entire Steven Universe series is officially on HBO Max. Because I wanted to watch uh, the Steven Universe movie, and I wanted to see Future. So, But it's okay. good to know that it's on HBO Max. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing that. Um, I have been binging the ever-living hell out of uh, Lovecraft Country, even though there's only like six episodes. Um, and that has been... I need to get caught up on that, especially because of two of the most recent uh, guest stars. Yes. <sighs> um, Are we going to talk about that show? <laughs> what? <laughs> there it is. That's the noise. That's the noise we need. To <laughs> isolated. Isolated. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I've already forgotten what we were deciding we were talking about. But are, uh, are we gonna? Are we gonna go in on this? <laughs> no, no. We, yeah, we can go in on this. We can go. So, BJ, tell me what you think of this amazing show. So I like it. Uh, so I'll go ahead and start with just uh, some of my critiques. Is that it is. I won't say it's a slog, but the thing about H.P. Lovecraft lore and stuff that I think is done weird, and not done bad, but it's something that everybody's take is different, is you have, it's the cult aspect, and that, and it makes stuff a little messy sometimes. There's so, there's a handful of things in the narrative that they do fantastic. And then there's just something in, like, I guess I want to say the horror narrative, and I guess not the real-life horror narrative, but the fantasy horror narrative, that just, there's a disconnect there. Like, when you have, um, like, when you have Letty's sister going to the department store to reapply and try to be one of the first colored women in this department store working, and all of a sudden she finds out that she missed her spot... And, like, it, you see it, it hurts her so bad. And at that point, I had just started kind of getting to know Letty's sister. And I was very, that was a narrative that I know they're going to revisit, they revisit later on. But it's a narrative that I'm like, oh, like, I really wish I'd seen more of that this episode than the weird treasure hunt. Um... Because the treasure hunt just kind of ended the way you thought it would be. And so it's there's just something about Lovecraftian narratives when you have modern writers do it, where there's something about it that they do really well, and then there's something about it that just disconnects. So that episode, I think, was my weakest. I think that was episode four. Um, that was, like, one of my weaker episodes, but... Um, what was, what was, what were your career critiques? I'm interested to hear your I want to put it out there that I love the idea of the show. The writer is Seattle from Seattle. Uh, he wrote this book like a while ago and actually originally he was trying to make it as a movie and then they, that didn't happen and it got re- repackaged and done as a, uh, a series. But the problem I have is the series, which does an amazing job of bringing to the forefront to a lot of audiences who may not have ever experienced this, the, the, the intensity and the horrible, horrible, horribleness of racism 
in the 50s, specifically in the 50s and 60s. I think the show is set solidly in the 50s, but it's it's pretty close to that early 60s. Um, mostly in Chicago, but it does definitely go around different regions and explores different things. All of that's great. Visceral. Uh, it's not. It's not maybe like Watchmen level, but it's in different ways. It's worse. Oh yeah. It's it's very the, intense. I will say they do some. They do some super interesting stuff with body horror. Oh. Uh, in the later episodes with Ruby specifically. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. But here's the thing. First three are pretty solid. The first one, the first episode, actually, the first two are really, really good. I almost feel like if the story had stopped there, it would probably have been okay. I felt like the first two episodes literally could have been a whole season. It, and and what's crazy is, so uh, long story short, these three individuals are trying to figure out what happened to one of the guy's dads, this guy Tick. He's uh, just come home from the war, Korean War, trying to figure out his place in the world. But he's there with his uncle and this this girl, Letty, who they, they, they encounter and sort of bring on in this adventure. And it's it's it quickly gets into the topic of sundown towns and and then you get even crazier into like these police just absolutely like fucking with and almost like trying to kill these three and uh anyway hijinks ensue they get caught up in this lovecraftian nonsense and whatever and the show's very aware that lovecraft himself was a fucking racist and a piece of shit like it has to be made it clear these days when we're canceling people for far less uh, egregious offenses that Lovecraft was a piece of shit. He was homophobic, uh, probably gay, but struggling with that identity. He was virulently, virulently, virulently racist. <laughs> Sorry, the R's and the L's get really stuck in my tongue. I don't know, I don't know. Um, so, so Lovecraft is a piece of shit, but the rich universe that he spawned out of his twisted, fucked up mind is something that's lasted and kind of transcended his his horribleness and so the show's very aware of that they actually talk about a poem he wrote which i forgot the name of but it's 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 offensive enough i won't say anything from it uh basically saying how black people are like animals i mean it's it's really bad lovecraft was really bad if i haven't made that point very clear but But was he bad i'm I'm not sure (laughs) he he was he was so bad um, Just making sure. But but to to the writer of this uh, book, uh, whose name escapes me, but who who is a white man, uh, who is credit, he really does bring that back and kind of repurposes. And this is happening all over the place. Our our own. We've talked, I think, a little bit about this too. Our 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 network uh, nerdy show Omniverse. They have a Lovecraft inspired uh, Call of Cthulhu mystery audio drama series. So a lot of places are doing this. They're bringing the queer elements in. They're bringing people of color. It's it's great. It's great. Um, especially given the, the the original writer's a horrible person. But this show fails so badly in the last two episodes. I think DJ, uh, DJ, BJ, you're, uh, uh, I don't know why I have DJs in my head. Uh, your uh, <laughs> your uh, point about the treasure hunt episode where they mysteriously go from Boston back to Chicago through an underground tunnel. <laughs> In like a couple hours, like yeah, weird shit happens. They've the worst, probably the most egregious thing of that episode is the way they handle the two spirited character. Um, not only is it really unfortunate the way they depict them, but uh, with the nudity specifically, but also the the end of that episode is really unfortunate, giving yeah, the tropes was... of people who are transgender and like this should have already. I, you know, it's it's a thing that in now in this current context, uh, writers and people need to be a little more aware of. Producers, they should think about these issues. But oh well, whatever. Yeah, so we get past that. Very, then we've like got said, the the weird. Ruby episode, <laughs> where spoiler alert, Ruby gets to play as a white woman 
which empowering in certain ways. And I think at first a lot of people were like worried that they, they were just going to like get rid of the actress who played Ruby and then have this new white chick play her. And that was horrible. Oh, that was talking str- about white that erasure. Was straight up, like pretty much the beginning of the episode. I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. And then it became body horror, which I was like, I feel better about it now. Very much body horror. It became this weird Cronenberg-esque, gross, grotesque. Anyway, uh, that episode did get better as it went through, but there were still problems throughout. And then the ending, there's so many things wrong with the ending as far as what happens with Ruby and her boss. That's really problematic Yeah. uh, uh, in terms of gay and lesbian representation. It's... The show is which is challenged. And I don't know that I can attribute, I haven't read the book. I don't know if I can blame the author. I don't know if I can blame Misha green who did the teleplays and is the producer. Uh, There's just so many little things like that, but it is important enough that I will push through the problems to try to see it through and support obviously more of this kind of thing. But I really hope somebody's sitting them down and saying, guys, listen, it's well, and here's, and and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's when it comes because by this point, I feel that enough people know of the Lovecraftian style of, like, writing and everything. It's become, it's, the thing with me, and that's just be, and I read a ton of horror. So this might not be the case to somebody that has read, like, maybe one Stephen King book their whole life. And maybe one where he wasn't quite as drugged up and weird. Um... Where I I saturated in it throughout junior high. I was that weird horror goth kid in junior high. So I just saturated myself in so much horror that the nothing is as it seems sort of trope thing in my head is dialed up to 50 when it comes to anything Lovecraftian. Like, I'm expecting one of them to just wake up in the middle of a hospital and be like, you, you bumped your head, Uncle George. Like... You know, it's just one of those things where I it's hard to trust what you see in this narrative. And I think that's what's actually keeping me going through the bits that are weird. Uh, or weird, borderline disappointing. Um, but no, no, everything you're saying is right on point. I, I, I like it. I actually like the... It's weird. I like the longer... When it comes to something like this, especially when it comes to certain seasons of Doctor Who, which you've made that mouth noise before about, um, where sometimes the longer narrative, you're like, oh, this didn't pay off at all. But the but the little adventures in between the longer narrative, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm actually having the opposite with the show where the longer narrative and the development of the characters, I'm like, this is great. But like the little side side like horror adventures, I'm like, eh. The villain of the week, yeah. It's like you go back I'm, to X Files and Buffy. You got the mythology storyline episodes, then you got the demon of the week or whatever. Uh, and then, exactly, and I'm trying. I'm trying. I and actually, another reviewer has has mirrored this, where she said she actually normally she doesn't like it when a show gets a big bad because you're always concentrating on what that character's doing. And they've kind of, they kind of made, uh, I think it was Christina, they kind of made her seem like the big bad and the, um, the, the police captain, her and the police captain as like mutual big bads, but they're actually kind of like mutual henchmen somewhat. So it's, 
it's weird. I do think the show would actually fare better if, either if at the end of the season or going into the next season, they do introduce a big bad of sorts. That would actually be really cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, cause like I'll start an episode and one of my roommates was like, why were you making that face earlier? And I was like, I don't want to start that conversation. I'll save it for the podcast. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, 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 no, it's definitely something that's been, I've been in, I, I, I don't, I'm not hate watching it yet there, <laughs> but I'm definitely, it's making me think about a lot of stuff. And I do like, uh, in episode two, no, three, there's a reference to a kid when they're playing with a Ouija board in the haunted house. And the kid says, Oh, I'm going on a trip. Am I going to enjoy my trip? And it immediately goes to no. Um, that kid is actually a Easter egg to an actual kid that was murdered on a trip. Uh, he was murdered, uh, him and his family, um, were attacked by the, the clan while traveling. Ugh. Um, and it's one of those things where if you think about it within the narrative of this story, George is gone and the updates to the travel guide aren't happening. So what happens when the, that's what happens when that travel guide didn't get updated in a timely manner. So mm-hmm. it was just one of those, that was one of the things I really liked that they touched on. And it was purely the kid's shirt that made me go, why, why does that kid look familiar? I'm not going to like this, but I'm going to research this. And sure enough, I was like, oh, I, I don't like this, but, but it's some. it was a big case that, um, that went unsolved for years. Um, so, but yeah, no, I'm. I'm still on board with Lovecraft Country, and HBO Max has been uh, been kind of killing it lately. And I have not been able to catch up with it. Um, life has gotten very uh, chaotic in the last month uh, for all the best reasons uh, with starting up this new job. So I haven't had a chance. But I do want to shout out to um, Friends of the Pod, uh, Monet Exchange. And uh, Shangela Laquifa Wadley for uh, their guest appearances on um, Lovecraft yes. Country. So, oh uh, yeah, big sh- that big was shout nice. outs. Yeah, to uh, Brian's yeah, the, the fraternity parts- brother and uh, and Shangela, <laughs> Emmy nominated Shangela. Um, uh, and Eric, yes, I, I'm sorry. I really did enjoy. I did enjoy that that scene in the club with the drag drag culture, and they called it ball culture. So I, I was kind of curious about the history of the ball culture in Chicago, and if it was that far back. I assume it is, uh, but that was a really cool uh, addition. However, it's especially ga- galling and guard ga- guard no galling that it's also in a, a part of that same episode where uh, Ruby sodomizes her boss in a very um, yeah. So yeah, it's complicated. I mean, these things happen. I mean, people just sodomize their boss. <laughs> Not wants to sodomize. <laughs> or, or, or they agree to be sodomized by. Exactly. If you're going to sodomize your boss, it, get consent first. Consent, consent, consent. You lean, very, you lean in very close and you whisper, this could have been an email. Right when you come. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well played, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well deserved for that, BJ. Well deserved for that. (laughs) 
So that's HBO Max with uh, lots of great programming, including uh, Legendary, which we have talked about on the show before, uh, which I finally caught up on, um, Lovecraft Country, and uh, many other things, including uh, now the full Steven Universe package. And um, if you have not watched it, and I know BJ has started watching, uh, I don't know how far you've gotten into it, but Insecure, uh, starring Issa Rae, created by and starring Issa Rae. Y'all, y'all, that show cut me to the fucking bone 20 minutes into the first goddamn episode when that little girl in that class goes, why do you talk white? That is literally every summer camp I went to that my dad sent me to every sports camp. That was the first thing those little assholes would ask me. Why do you talk white? I'm like, I don't know, Jamal. Maybe <laughs> it's because I'm rocking blackface. And that is literally one <laughs> of the comments Jamal. I made. Like... Oh my god, that show! I I'm I'm mid I'm halfway through the first season because some of the when she does some stupid shit, it it like I said it cuts it cuts a little too deep. Did you so, like when she started uh, when she starts rapping to the, to herself in the mirror? Oh, like those scenes. I am trying not to do that myself. <laughs> I am one hundred percent because because like I. So I'm very bad at being positive to myself in my own head. So I have to write that shit down, like in like in my school notes, on a dry erase board, on my mirror in my bathroom, because I will immediately disprove my own self worth to myself. So I'm like, if I read it, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write out a dissertation on why it's wrong because I don't have time, um, <laughs> yet, um. But yeah, no, one hundred percent. When she starts, uh, when she starts freestyling in front of the mirror, I just I can't. Broken post has been you. stuck in my head for ever since I watched the first episode. What what, uh, what is it again? Broken pussy. Broken pussy. That's right. I was like, I knew it was something pussy. <laughs> it wasn't dry. It wasn't white ass pussy. That would have been that would have been a couple of years early. But but uh, bro- broken pussy. <laughs> If you haven't watched Insecure, and I know I've talked about it on the show before, so I'm glad that you've finally gotten onto onto the train with me, I'm BJ. I'm onto the train. Yes, yes. Um, I still need to watch. What is it? Date night? Is that what? Is, Josh, what is that, oh, that yeah. movie? Oh, uh, with <laughs> Mal Ackerman and Joe Manganiello. No, no, oh no, 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 no. no not the, Issa Rae, no, Issa Rae, Rae and, and um, Camille Nanjiani. Uh, no. Lovebirds. Love Lovebirds. Love I always want to call it date night for some reason, but Lovebirds. I think well, date night was the Steve Carell and Tina Fey movie. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, Lovebirds is pretty much like the date night for like people of color. There you go. There you go. So yeah, I I I and adore better, Issa Rae. <laughs> I adore her and uh, and her work on on pretty much everything she does. So uh, if you have HBO Max, go check out those um, those amazing shows plus all of the great stuff that they have uh, content wise. And I believe they're running a special right now for I think it's like eleven ninety nine. There, there's some special going on I think for the uh, at the time of recording is going on, which is a uh, reduction in price from like the fifteen a month down to like. 10 or 11 dollars a month so go check it out and uh yeah that is uh all of the greatness of hbo max all right brian why don't you go ahead and give us your topic for this month well still talking about hbo max uh one of the better shows i think 
that's unique to that platform, although I believe it's coming out through Cinemax somehow, and that's how it's all related anyway. Skinemax? Uh, is raised... <laughs> Not Skinemax. Uh, that would be interesting, that's a, too. I would be That's okay only after that. 11 p.m. on Cinemax. That's what they used to call right. it, because back on in the, the day... On the weekends only, yeah. Oh, I, listen, I don't know. If you were up during the, during the week, maybe. But, yes, come on, Skinemax. So, uh... Some of you remember back years ago, uh, Ridley Scott actually made good science fiction films. And along the way, things didn't quite track uh, that direction. This new series, Raised by Wolves, is, I wouldn't say it's set firmly in that universe of Alien and Prometheus and all the other, you know. But it's definitely, it's got a lot of connective tissue. It was created by um, a writer who I wasn't as familiar with, Aram. Aaron Guzikowski, and he doesn't have a super long record, but he has done some other stuff, including the Red Road with I think uh, I think that was Jason Momoa was on that show. Uh, some other stuff again that I'm I'm just not familiar with, but uh, he wrote this series for Ridley Scott's production company, and so uh, Ridley Scott's a producer. He actually also directs the first two episodes, and his son. Um, Oh, gosh, what's the other Scott's name? Um, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. Uh, his son directed the Luke Scott. Uh, I believe that's his son. Uh, directed the, the, the third and fourth episode. Um, so this show is about two androids who have been tasked with recreating society uh, by bringing these uh, embryos to term and raising these then children on this alien world uh, named after uh, Kepler. So it's Kepler 22B. Again, something that the alien universe kind of liked to do. They had like one name and then like a number designation. Um, anyway, so the show starts from that premise and that's interesting enough. Then you bring in this uh, arc, not unlike the expanse or maybe even uh, other types of like, like I think uh, hitchhiker's guy, the galaxy explored this, like this generational or this arc of humans. Uh, it's not generational. It's actually, I think they just have to go into hibernation or something, but they're religious and they will worship Mithras, who, if you know your mythology and religion, is like the prototypical Christ. Back in like pre Christian Rome, there was this uh, god they worshiped called Mithras, who's a sun god. Anyway, the robots are atheists and they are actually raising these children to be atheists to escape the cycle of religious violence. And then this religious uh, cult, almost like a uh, group of uh, settlers lands or tries to land on this world and then hijinks ensue. And so what I love about this show is not only is it beautiful, beautifully shot um, South Africa, I think for most of it, uh, but some of the, vi the vistas are just otherworldly and amazing. And they're mostly, I think practical. I'm sure there's CG in there too. In fact, uh, one of my Facebook friends actually is one of the visual effects artists. So that was kind of a cool um uh, connection but regardless uh beautifully shot uh creepy as fuck music by ben foster and mark straithheim uh mark actually straithheim has done some of ridley scott's like prometheus and alien what was the new alien movie the alien um covenant covenant yes so you got a lot of those kind of creepy tones ben foster's done a bunch of weird shit including dark uh if you're familiar with that show on netflix he did the music for that so he's good oh, on the wow. creepy yeah the cast, uh, you've probably seen, if you've watched The Vikings, the leader, kind of, sort of, of the religious settlers uh, is Travis Femmel, 
who uh, I forgot the character, yeah. but he's one of the Vikings. Um, and most of the other casts, I think, are people who I just wasn't familiar with because either they're Australian actors or they're South African actors or or from where, wherever they come from, they're they're a little less uh, you know well known to a lot of people. But they're all pretty solid. The kids are especially interesting. There's this kid named Campion who's kind of like the sort of he's the only kid left. I don't want to spoil too much, but he's the only kid left from the atheist group. And then there are these kids that they kind of, uh, you know, borrow from the religious sect. <laughs> so there's a lot of that and forth, back and forth. But Amanda Collins, who plays the mother, is so creepy and amazing, um, both in her normal state and then in her necromancer robot state which she turns into this killing robot that flies around and like eviscerates I, you with her mouth like I it's was gonna say i saw clips of that and i was like i'm gonna have to bookmark this because i want to see that over and over again i think it's important that this show is out there and only because it it, it might in some ways redeem the alien universe i keep wondering if they're gonna actually like fit this in somewhere the 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 what's your name's the that alien race that created the aliens, uh, the engineers, I think, they, that they might show up. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. It has elements that remind me of Pitch Black. Like, you guys remember the um, Vin Diesel sci-fi series where he played this, uh, I forgot the character's name, but he, it was that whole thing with the, they also, I think, were called Necromancers, too, uh, in Riddick. Or oh, um, they were, oh, it was, it was necro something. It was like necrocons or, yeah, th- it was, there's, yeah. There's elements of that too that I kind of, MacGuffin number 52. Exactly. But <laughs> visually kind of very arresting, interesting, uh, uh, whatever. So yeah, I, I think that's important, but I also think it's important to really showcase the battle between non-believers and believers in a way that isn't like just simple. Because there is complexity in both sides of the characters with their relationship to faith. Even the robot, or the main character mother, gets to play sort of her version of faith and who she believes. You know, So it gets into all that. And then the, the show also has kind of brought in this mystical, creepy element. We're not sure where this is going yet. Um, so that's a whole thing that's playing a role. So yeah, I, I think if you're a fan of like those kind of works or Dune, it's got a little bit of the Dune DNA in it. Um, I think Raised by Wolves is it's probably one of the best sci-fi shows I've seen since The Expanse, uh, which hopefully will be coming back soon here, too. So that'll be great for us fans of sci-fi. But uh, yeah, if you like Alien, like any of those kind of movies, I think I think this show is good. They're, they do it in a weird like release schedule. So it's like three episodes came out originally and then they came out with two episodes and then another two episodes. So it's it's coming out like bit by bit, but in like these chunks. Um, so I don't know if that helps or makes it, it, it most people who probably watch it. Who cares? They're going to binge the whole thing, but it, it is very binge worthy. And so, you know, that's, sure that's, kind, that. that's more or less what I'm waiting for is I've already, I it's, I'm just, I've got one show that's coming out gradually and I don't like waiting for shit anymore. I am completely with the times now I've assimilated. So I will only wait to watch one show and then all other shows will wait till they're done. And then I'll watch the whole first season, but I'm the, excited. I'm, the I good news is also, that. It, it is coming back for season two. So, you know, people who don't like watching something until they know it's going to have a, a future, this show will. Uh, and I guess there's some kind of a podcast that goes with it too, which I have not listened to yet, but I'm interested to hear about because it's the, it's the creator talking about his inspirations and, and how he came with certain ideas. Okay. So, you know, again, sci-fi, good stuff. Also on, uh, as some of us call it, Hobo Max. Podcasts. <laughs> who listens to podcasts? 
Only oh, wait, weirdos do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard great things about the show. I sadly have not had a chance. I went from like five or six months of having all the time in the world to watch TV to not having any time to watch TV. And it's it's amazingly great, but sad all at the same time because I hear about all these great things. And no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, that you're enjoying and that it's uh, it's not some it's not a world that I've been a part of. Like, I've never actually seen any of the Aliens movies uh but it's it's good to see that there is something uh i don't want to say bright and cheerful but you know there's something good coming out of it it's kind of like um what is that new is it star trek levels is that new show that's been getting some oh, good lower hype? deck lower deck that's it that's it that uh with with some of the the more recent uh not as great things coming out of the Star Trek universe, and I know there's a lot of turmoil over there. It's 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 one of those things where when there's a franchise and you start getting some good fun stuff out of it, you know, or at least intriguing things, it's it's nice to see those uh, those franchises really just continue on to put out you know something good. So that is uh, raised by wolves on like you said Hobo Max or HBO Max, the home box office <laughs> maximum. Home box officeus maximus. Like, have you? Did you all see the, that post on Facebook where it was like, when your mom calls you by your full name, and it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Big Nacious Macintosh was my favorite out of those. <laughs> I don't know why that, why this made me think of it, but Big Nacious Macintosh coming at you. That's gonna be my new stage name. All right, before we get on into uh, some more pop culture, uh, we just want to remind you that if you are enjoying this or any of the other content on the uh, Nerdy Show Network, then uh, head on over and uh, why not give us a follow? You can head over to our website, flameonshow.com. Uh, it is so badly in need of an update um i'll have to put that on my list of things to do and things to get to but you can head over there all of our social media uh links are there you can uh find us on your rss feed you can find the links to our, our uh i know our instagram our instagram be popping lately thanks to brian and his uh series of youtube interviews that he has also been uploading to our igtv over on um flame on show or instagram.com forward slash flame on show uh i get all the notifications saying this person followed you this person commented this 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 and i'm like all right cool uh the the instagram be popping like my lip gloss just call me little mama <laughs> uh, it's popping my lip gloss is popping my lip gloss be cool all the boys be jocking. They chase me after school. What, what you know about me? What you know about me? <laughs> That's a throwback. Right, right. Hush, it takes me hush child. It takes me back to Our my Stephen Barry's days. <laughs> we used to play that music video at Stephen Barry's back in the day when I ran one. That's how. That's the only way I know the song is because of uh, working there. Uh, but go check us out on social media. And uh, Flame On is listener funded entertainment. Um, we're going to have an update about our Patreon coming up very soon. But for the time being, there's lots of great content up there. More is going to be updated uh, very, very soon. Um, I know I've been putting the call out and I know I've been saying this, but I swear there is more stuff coming. Uh, we've got sips of tea with Oral that are owed. And uh, Oral has been doing quite a lot lately. 
and has been busy. I know yesterday was actually helping Aaron get his new warehouse uh, live stream, live auction setup done. Uh, but he is going to be getting some sips of tea with Oral, and uh, we're going to get some micro micros recorded here in the in the very near future and get those uploaded to you. And uh, some of those YouTube video uh, interviews that Brian has been doing will be heading to your eardrums uh, in the not-too-distant future as microsodes here on our main feed. So you can become a patron by going over to patreon.com forward slash flameonshow and joining at any one of our four levels. And uh, yeah, help us uh, keep Flame On going and uh, doing all of this great stuff for you here. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, we got a couple of more pieces of pop culture coming your way before we hit our one-ups for the month. So I'm going to throw it over to Joshua. Welcome back to the show and... Tell the lovely listeners at home what your topic is for this month. Well, Pat the Bear, thank you for having me back. It's been long overdue and I've been missed. I I know, but uh, I miss everybody and I'm glad to be back. The tribe was about to vote you off and have you thrown into the volcano, but we gave you one more month. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of transitioning. Um... But no excuse. So, I am a fan of McG. I think uh, pretty much everything that I've seen uh, that he has written or directed, I've just loved. It's just that he just, he has a lot of fun, especially with blood. So, um, Netflix uh, and McG had a movie uh, back in 2017 called The Babysitter, which, in my opinion, it's a real fun movie, you know. So good. So good. Way better than I thought it would be, to be honest. Um, well, they recently came out with a sequel, The Babysitter, Killer Queen. So it takes place two years after the events of the first movie. And it just, it has the same, like, feel uh, as the first one did. And actually it has all the same characters, too. Yeah, I was gonna say it's got and, and it's all the same actors. Yeah. Like the kid that played Cole in the first I think one, he, he yeah, he was up. like fourteen or fifteen, and in this he's sixteen or seventeen. So yeah. it's yeah, it's right on point. Same for the girl, uh, his his, his love interest, yeah, his little neighbor girlfriend, and like everyone. I was I was like shocked when the trailer dropped because I didn't even know they were making it. I didn't either, but I saw that trailer and I was 
all sorts of excited and happy um, because like I said, the movie's just, it's, it's a really fun movie. You know, is it a, you know, cinematic masterpieces? No, but it's really good. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely worth watching on Netflix. Um, this one, like I said, it had the same feel. It did have a couple uh, moments where I was thinking, how are they really like managing to, to scrounge up a sequel? But they did a pretty great job at it, and just the the villains being back, and, and you know, I guess villains. Um, but the way that the writing explained why and how they're back, you know, I had a couple twists and turns, and it was just a lot of fun. Nice. I um, I love so um, I love um when they reintroduced all the original uh, killers. When oh, they come yes. back, that was amazing. And, and I, I love how the the one the one guy is just like, "Yo, okay, Cole, you look like you just saw a very handsome black ghost." And I was, I was, <laughs> I was in my work truck and I was in tears. I think my favorites are him, and then um, the Asian girl, and then the cheerleader. Those are my. I think I get the most out of those three. Oh yeah, they're absolutely absolutely hilarious. And the, the I was gonna say the uh, the guy he he he's one of those. I don't want to say he was one of those. Um, he was like a YouTube star or something. He wasn't really like a. Um, he wasn't really like big into acting. I've only ever seen him in commercials. I mean, well, he he's the new uh, character for that show on Amazon called Uploaded. And yes. he was uh, the original Firestarter uh, on Legends. Or, oh, uh, you're right. Flamestorm. What was it? Firestorm. Flame. Firestorm. I. It's been so long since I've watched Legends, I couldn't quite remember. Oh, oh Robbie Amell. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he also did a, a movie with his brother on Netflix called Code 6 or Code 8 or something. But yeah, he's... He's been popping up a lot around lately. Code nice. 8. Code 8, yeah. Has anyone Code else eight. seen the movie? I have not, uh, but, I, but I know that this week uh, Trixie and Katya uh, did their Netflix watches to this movie. I like to watch? Yes. Yeah. Two queens who love to watch. Mm. Uh, oh, no, sorry, wrong show. <laughs> and and did, they, <laughs> did they watch Killer Queen? Um, I, have, uh, I, I don't them. know. But that's oh, yeah, what they watched. They watched Clear Queen. Oh, gotcha. have you not seen? Have you not seen those uh, those videos, Josh? I have not. Oh, okay. So Trixie and Katya, they have them watch uh, different Netflix series, and then they do like um, they do almost like a little mini recap without like much of the spoilers or whatnot. But uh, but yeah, so they watch the, the the show or the movie, and then do a whole thing. There are some really fun ones. Go go on YouTube and, and watch them. Yeah. Get lost in a rabbit hole of Trixie and Katya. Of course I will. And I just like the fact that the series is called I Like to Watch. That is cleverly done. <laughs> in you windows, kids. So that is, uh, give me the name of the was killer, killer queen. Um, it is the babysitter killer queen. Babysitter Killer Queen, now streaming on Netflix. All right, so the last topic that we are going to talk about this month is uh, 
from Amazon Prime. It is season two of The Boys. Did we chat about The Boys when it came out the uh, the first season? Yes. Uh, that was one of my topics when it came out, the first one. Okay. Okay, cool. I thought we did. I thought we did. Uh, so season two dropped uh, roughly five weeks ago from the date of this recording. And uh, it has taken a, uh, a, I don't even want to say a, a grim and dark turn, because goddamn, first season was uh, pretty grim and dark to begin with. But it is uh, even grimmer. Even darker, even bloodier, even more insane than season one. They've really just doubled down on all of the craziness uh, that has that that we came to know in season one. And uh, I feel like they are trying to flesh everything out more. Where season one focused on very much a a single story with some you know branches here and there. Season two is really trying to tell a few different stories that are all intertwined and they, they'll all, they all weave together in some way, shape or form, but they really have just doubled down on a lot of the, um, there is no subtlety, I should say, in how they depict these quote unquote superheroes in this world, um, even so much as there's one scene where the boys or a portion of the boys are driving uh, down to Raleigh, North Carolina. And there is uh, an image of Homelander on the side of this barn and his cape, which if you've seen the show, you know, is the American flag. The actual cape that they have drawn on the side of this barn is the Confederate flag. Um, They've really ticked up the, uh racism <laughs> like they they have no qualms about just really showcasing how immensely shitty these people are these superheroes these quote unquote superheroes are um and just using you know overt um racist language in uh storm chaser and then when she goes to kill one of the the guys says something about like a uh, yellow face or you know another yellow face that that she's taking care of um and there's all of these things that just you know I mean you know that you're not supposed to root for these people obviously you know you're rooting for the boys to take them down but oof I don't think I was prepared for just how in your face they were going to make all of this just this craziness um the one thing that they've done different from season 1 is they've gone to a weekly distribution of episodes. And again, not to go back to it, I, I guess I'm just happy because I have a job again. <laughs> but because of the fact that I've been working, um, when the season dropped or when the season premiered, I w- didn't have a chance to just sit there and binge it like I did with Umbrella Academy, uh, which is another superhero show on a streaming platform that that I enjoyed. But the fact that we're a few weeks into the season and I was able to actually, you know, sit down today and catch up on the last couple of episodes it was nice that I didn't have to sit there and go, Oh crap. Well, I'm only going to get through episode five before we record. And I'm still going to have, you know, all of this and other people that are listening will have seen all the rest of these episodes. So I kind of, in a weird way, enjoy the fact that it's a weekly episodic, uh, distribution and it's, uh, 
it's nice to see them fleshing out some of the side characters a little bit more. They're giving um, a different vulnerability and humanity to some of the boys. And they introduced in this most recent episode, episode number five that came out this past week, they introduced one of the most valued team members for the boys in the Bulldog Terror, who I didn't realize apparently... His his contribution is that he will fuck anything that Billy Butcher tells him to. Because <laughs> I've never read The Boys before. Like I'm I'm coming into this as it just being a show and not a comic book. Uh, so at the end of the episode where he throws this like squeaky toy into into the car and he's like, "All right, go fuck this," and then you hear the, the squeaking as uh you know as the off screen uh <laughs> you know action is happening and then i i looked it up because i wanted to make sure i i have a bad habit of of not always paying attention all the time and being on my phone uh especially because today was shiny uh porygon community day on pokemon go so i was multitasking in my off time and uh i wanted to make sure that i i paid homage and uh, gave special um credit to the fact that there there is a an adorable bulldog in the show and so i was reading up on terror the bulldog and and found out that that's basically his contribution and i was like all right not mad about it um have any of y'all uh caught or seen any part of uh season two of the boys oh i don't have amazon prime that's the one service i don't have so i have not seen even any of season one I started season one back when it like first came out. I think a little after, but uh, I said I thought that I didn't like it because I do enjoy the ideas a lot. And I, from what everybody's told me who's read the series, the book is or the 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 sorry who's read the comic book series, the TV series, the the show is so much less uh, ex- uh, excessive in its uh, violence, and even though it's still really. Uh, violent and has a lot of like kind of uh, intense com- uh, you know elements that the, the comic book series is worse and more uh, of that so I, I'm I don't know like I, I want to watch it it's it's on the list to get to but I'm and now that I know there's a bulldog coming you know I'm I'm happy but uh, I don't know was that after season one or so far in season two that comment of it not being as graphic as the uh, the book. Well, I remember when I was uh, buying comics back in Orlando early early on, because the series came out, you know, back in the early to mid-2000s, I think. Or actually, tell you that, mid to late 2000, uh, before, maybe a little bit into teens. And I remember just every time I would see a new issue pop up on the shelf, I was like, oh my god, what is this book? And I asked Aaron, uh, our friend who owns a comic shop in Orlando, I was like, what? It, what is this show? Like, what? Are, what is this series? Like, should I, would I be interested? And he's like, no. You're not gonna want it. It's 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 ridiculously over the top, violent, sexual. Um, it's it's just so much. So I think from the very beginning, the series on Amazon has not diluted it, but it sort of softened the edges a bit. And yet, it's still really intense as a show. Oh yeah. So I was gonna say I think it gets I, worse. Is what I was I gonna say. I think season two has upped the um, the gore factor. I mean, one of the episodes, um, somebody's face gets ripped off. In the middle of like in, yeah. a, in a hit job, like, and they uh, they have a flashback of um, or not even the full face, Eric, but like literally they show her grab like by the ear and just 
pull across and take his face, like, half of his face off. Yeah, and I'm not a gore person at all. And, like, between that and then there is a flashback scene where um, a quote-unquote superhero back in the, the day, in, like, the World War II-ish era, because um, a lot of what the this season's kind of thread is that they're obviously i mean it was part of season one as well that the superheroes aren't born they're created and it's very much in the vein of um the super soldier serum or the weapon plus project as it eventually became um, retconned in uh what's his name uh one of the guys from supernatural is playing that character next season uh uh dean jansen yes yes or jansen ackles jansen ackles Jansen Ackles, but he plays Dean Winchester. Yes, that's it. Dean Jansen Ackles. <laughs> there we go. There was supposed to be a hyphen there. There was, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> the punctuation mark that separated them into what the proper, proper it was. Um, but yeah, so Jansen Ackles will be, uh, will be playing, uh, it will be in season three, but it's, it's very much a la Captain America, um, in this, you know, this serum that was created that gave these abilities. Uh, so it's it's very it's they've definitely ramped it up uh from season one to season two but overall it's still uh it's it's keeping my interest it's peaking my interest uh there was one point where there is a scene where homelander ends up um somebody flips him off and he laser eyes that person's finger off and then proceeds to wipe out an entire portion of like this protesting crowd and I was like, holy shit. And then it was just, you know, him having a hallucination. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I'm intrigued with how season two is playing out. Uh, for those who have read the ser- the series, it's apparently taken many liberties and, uh, not going in yeah. the direction of what the, the, the story was in the book. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. We're five episodes in. I'm super interested to see what I was gonna say. Did you guys already talk about Aya Cash? No. Okay. Um, Aya Cash, the actress that plays Stormfront, um, she is also in a series. One of the first series I ever saw her in was "You're the Worst." Um, oh yeah, and she is fantastic in that show. So if you if you guys like Aya Cash in The Boys. You'll definitely love her as Gretchen in You're the Worst, um, which is covers a lot of things about mental illness, but it's it's definitely um, a similar character, just without the super fa- superpowers. But uh, no, I'm loving Aya Cash as Stormfront a lot in this, especially since Stormfront in the comics is a Homelander clone. So it'll be very interesting to see how they play that off. Interesting, because I mean the yes, let's say the revelation on who she was. I don't want to give too much away in case, because I mean, obviously, with with it being uh, episodic, and if people haven't caught up yet, I don't want to give too much away. But the revelation on who she was, and then the final scene where um they're going to town on each other, which was very reminiscent of uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, but with characters oh, yeah. that I don't like. <laughs> when Jess and Luke went at it, I was like, fuck yeah, do it, break the bed. With these two, I'm like, can y'all kill each other while fucking? Cause... You're like, this is gross, <laughs> I don't like looking at this, but I can't look away. 
Although, oh my god, when um, when the woman who was in charge of uh, the seven, when when she came back, and then it was revealed how she like how she was there, I was like, oh whoa whoa, and then that whole thing like that was ridiculous, and I love how the the, the last thing I'll I'll talk about before we move on into uh, our one ups here is I love how they like to. They, they straddle the line of real and fake because they have a news network that's like NNC instead of CNN or, or it was like uh, NCC or something like that. But then they still use yeah. MSNBC as a reference point. Um, there is still shows and things from like the real world that they utilize like um, Ed Sheeran and other like uh, other movies and, and shows. Uh, but then they utilize like um, what is the movie that they're shooting during the season is uh, Dawn of the Seven, as a, like the Dawn of Ju- oh, uh, yeah. Dawn of the Justice League type of thing, which is just ridiculous. So if you if you <laughs> liked season one of the boys, you'll definitely enjoy season two. If you started but didn- weren't able to get through it yet, I think that it it takes a different turn. Um, if you're not a big fan of gore, maybe this isn't for you. Um, but I also do like, and this will tie, this will be the last thing I talk about for this. Uh, a friend of, friend of the pod, Jay Abbott had posted something about, um, or shared something on Facebook about, um, denormalizing rapists costumes for Halloween. Um, where it's like, uh, the Cal Drogo, you know, knockoff costume, the Homelander costume, like these, all these characters that are profoundly known, like in their entities and in their actual like um, media, as horrible people, but yet and, and rapists because like Homelander, and they call it out, um, especially now that we're getting into the middle of the season, it's being called out for what it is. Like he raped Billy Butcher's wife. Uh, was it Betty? That Betty is his wife. Um, you know, and, and denormalizing, like, utilizing these as, as things that you want to dress up as and, and whatnot. And these are things that we don't normally think about because there are people out there that are like, oh, well, I love Homelander and I'm going to... But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, this is still what the character represents and stands for. So um, I thought that was a very uh, intriguing point of view. And uh, I, I wanted to put it out there as well. So that is The Boys. Season 2 is now airing weekly on Amazon Prime. Uh, so if you have Amazon Prime, go check it out. If not, then um, find a way to. Eric, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the uh, the topics for the month of uh, September that we wanted to chat about. It is now time for us to tell you all about the things that are giving us life. Life, life, life. It is our one-up segment of the week. Josh, why don't you tell the listeners what your one-up is? Alrighty. So, I recently got into this uh, anime called uh, My Hero Academia. Green Naruto! (laughs) And I was pretty against even watching it. I don't know why. I kind of, like, got out of, like, an anime phase. So I was like, meh, you know, it's kind of all the same. Well, amidst COVID and living alone and having nothing to do with my time. 
Um, nothing else sounded appealing. And a friend of mine said, dude, you need to watch it. So I started it. It took um, maybe like a, a handful of episodes to, to really get into it. But uh, I ended up actually liking the story and the character, the main character, especially. Um, so I've been binging that. And uh, which brings me to the one up season four dub has just released on Hulu. So now I can actually start season four uh, and catch up. Boy. When I tell you, so I started, I think I may have used this as a one-up, like, when the first season dropped, like, years ago, like, before you I, even on the podcast. I think we've talked about each individual season as it's come out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know definitely, I've definitely talked about um, at least one or two seasons as my one-up as they've, like, dropped or as they have, I finished them, and... I finally broke down and just got super impatient and and started reading the manga. And when I tell you, it's so good. It at well at the first at first glance, it definitely seems like the opposite of the boys. Something very self serving, like something that's very like you know I'm gonna be a hero and I'm gonna do good things. And it gets into the politics of, like, what do you do when the title of hero is, like, a public service? Like, right. you're getting you're getting paid to effectively be, like, law enforcement, but you're not law enforcement, so there's this weird sort of gray area with it. And when you commercialize and prioritize certain things like that, stuff falls through the cracks. And I will say that My Hero Academia has the best main villain development. Oh, I, which I one? I think uh Shigaraki. Okay. You're not even you're you're right at the beginning. You're actually right at finish season 4. Because the thing is you go from Midoriya who's just like a bright-eyed kid that's just like I want to save people, but then you have his polar opposite Shigaraki who's like I just want to burn it all down and you're like by the time you get to where I'm at in the story, I guarantee you, you're going to be like, oh yeah, no, he's totally fucking right. This is some bullshit. And you're like, but it is, it gets so deep. And, and I had a friend who didn't want to watch it because he was like, oh, boo, like now they're going to be friends because she saved him. And like, that's, he's like, that's just gross. And I'm like, you're right. It is gross. I'm like, I, and I'm trying to get him to keep watching. It's, I'm trying to get a couple friends to watch it um, because the story is actually good. So good. And in season three with the villain arc, like that episode, like those few episodes were probably one of the most epic things I've ever seen. Yeah. And I was like, damn, the writing is good. And the characters don't make you want to punch them. I mean, mostly. I, I, mostly. Of, I was gonna say I want to punch Be uh, uh, Kachan all the time. Yeah, I want to punch him all the time, and I want to punch in uh, the little one with the sticky balls. Oh, oh yeah, no, everybody, Minata? everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody no hates Minetta. <laughs> everybody hates Minetta. I'm like Minetta. Why are you here? <laughs> they did I, a poll in Jap- they did a poll in Japan, like asking like. Who, if if one character had to die, who would you want it to be? And the creator was genuinely shocked that everybody everybody was like, "Oh yeah, fucking kill Minetta. We fuck- He got a zero percent. And no here's votes. and here's the thing: his power sucks, and you really and this is why I had to give 
uh, kudos to the writers because you really have to try and reach for his power to be useful. <laughs> like you, oh. and they managed to do it a couple times pretty well. I'm like, okay, but yeah, it's just, I guess every anime has to have the token perv. Oh my god! I guess that's still a trope that we haven't gotten rid of yet. But part of the best anime. Oh, for sure. Well, that is My Hero Academia. Season 4's dub is now on Hulu. Uh, season 5 coming in the not-too-distant future, so go check it out. Senor Eric, what is your one-up? So, this is another uh, fun reality competition show. This one's on Netflix. Such predecessors as The Singing Bee and Don't Forget the Lyrics comes a different skill set for Sing On, where it's um, a karaoke competition, but they give you the words. Your job is to sing it correctly uh, in that you're basically like from rock band back in the day, the vocal line score points. This is what you're competing on. You have to sing it exactly as the original artist did. And so they're scoring, oh. they're scoring the six people that they've split the song up into different chunks and so the highest scoring person automatically goes on to the next round and then the singers vote who's going to get kicked off each round and so they're accruing money based on the percentage of the song they're singing correctly and it's hosted by Titus Burgess uh, from uh, Kimmy Schmidt oh nice and it's fun um, it can be a little dry because everyone's trying to sing the exact melody of the original artist. So it takes a little fun out of karaoke where people kind of go off and riff all over the place. Um, yeah. Because this is not the show for that. Uh, I was like, you call that fun. I call that my nightmare. <laughs> 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 for eight years. <laughs> I mean, most of the people on the show can sing decent enough. I mean, they definitely screened out who can't sing at all. Um, so it's good. It has a f- few different quirks, um, but I mean, they're giving away over $40,000 an episode just for singing five songs, karaoke style. It's good. It's worth a watch. Uh, and then I do have a mini uh, one up. Uh, Come on, trying to be for- me. I was going to say, look the, what you've done, Pat. The trailer for the <laughs> horror movie coming out, uh, Freaky. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. By, it's by the creators. I forgot of, about that. Uh, oh, Happy, happy Death, Death Day. Day and Happy Death Day to you. Same creators. Yeah. Um, but it's basically a take on Freaky Friday where uh, the killer and the victim switch bodies. Uh, so. Yeah, Vince Vaughn got, plays the killer slash teenage girl. I'm here it, for it. It looks like a hoot and a half. Nice. What's the name of that movie again? Freaky. 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 Okay, cool. Uh, and I love, Eric, that you uh, you referenced the singing bee as one of the uh, the, the kind of uh, pseudo-similar shows. Uh, I didn't Can't think anybody Joey else Fatone watched that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about Joey Fatone hosting it because it eventually went to CMT and... Um, Oh, yeah, the girl oh. from uh, Reba. The... Yes, 
Oh, um... Oh my god, I can't, yeah. I want to say Melissa something. Um, um, um... Crap. <laughs> she kind of occupies the same space in my head as Busy Phillips for some reason. <laughs> A little bit. You're not wrong about that. Melissa Peterman. Melissa Peterman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which is, yeah. I, I loved that show. In, in like all of its incarnations, that was definitely a, uh, a fun one. So I'm going to have to check out this new show on Netflix. And I'm kind of sad that nobody told me about this beforehand. So, um, I know what I'm going to be doing, uh, at some point, probably tonight or, or during the week when I try to have some downtime after, uh, coming, com- coming home from work. All right. Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your one up is? So I had heard about the series Homecoming on Amazon probably like back when it came out. Um, and it was by uh, the producer and director of my favorite show, Mr. Robot, Sam Esmail. So I, I knew I was interested. And then I saw the cast. And I was like, they got Julia Roberts to do this Amazon TV show? What? Um, and so I was just like, all right, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Never got to it. Finally, uh, you know browsing around Amazon and all the other streaming services like you do. Uh, it, uh, it occurred to me I should probably watch that. And what's nice is they're half-hour-ish episodes, so they go really fast. But it is unlike any TV show I've seen in a long time. Uh, very intense at times. It's got a great, sort of almost like a lost, two different like uh, narrative storyline timelines happening, and they kind of overlap and or one kind of shifts into the other. Anyway, very cool story. Uh, very near and dear to me because it's about government contracting. Uh, so, you know, but I mean, not in a boring way in, a, in an exciting and intriguing and sort of mystery kind of way, but um, it's based on a podcast. Speaking of podcasts, again, those things that we used to sort of sometimes enjoy and the, the before times when we had commutes, I guess some people still do. I don't much, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's based on a podcast from Gimlet Media, and um, what's relevant also for potentially people on the show here is uh, season two came out not long ago, and it stars Janelle Monet. So I have not gotten to that yet. I, I heard it's in the same universe. I mean, it's 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 definitely an ongoing continuation, but the, it's a it's sort of a new cast of characters in a new direction, and Sam Esmail is not involved in the second season, so I'm a little less excited about it, but. I will still watch it. I love Janelle Monet, and I'm excited to see uh, what the future of the show has. So, yeah, Homecoming and, on Amazon Prime. And season oh, one and is good? Season one is fantastic. I okay. mean, again, it's, I like, added it to my list. If it, and then, Oh, one more thing about that. This, the soundtrack is all found or original previously existing soundtrack uh, work, which is I'm not I'm not saying this is a new thing, but uh, it's, it's kind of a master class in soundtracks over the years. And there's actually a Spotify playlist that I shared on Facebook that is all of it by, uh, I think it's in order, but it's it's per per episode. So a lot of stuff you're going to watch and you'll be like, oh, that sounds so familiar. And then you look it up and it's like from Vertigo or it's from um, John Carpenter movies or whatever. Like, you know, So it's really cool. Um, so that's my main one up. I also want to give a quick uh, little minus whatever to the uh, series that Pat mentioned that I'm doing on Mondays. Uh, I've had some really amazing uh, conversations already, Uh, most recently with Justin Hall from No Straight Lines, which if you're not familiar with that anthology of queer comics, it is very important and very entertaining. And uh, I really, I really 
we had a great conversation about comics history, queer comics history, erotica, um, so many random other things in those uh, in those two two topics. Um, next Monday, and depending on when this comes out, you know, may not be next Monday, but the, the next one I'm It'll doing be the is Monday before the Monday before this comes out. Okay, so uh, Stéphane Cote uh, is a, a Quebecois uh, queer comics or cartoonist from uh, Montreal. We're having him come on, talking to him about his Phantasmagoria piece. Uh, that's an ongoing graphic novel. It's really cool. And then I've got Michael O'Quinn, who some of us know from Orlando uh, and other cities around Florida. Uh, uh, fantastically entertaining and uh, wealth of storytelling uh, uh, person that Michael is. So I'm very excited to finally sit down and like have some cool uh, conversations with him. Um and then we got a bunch of other people coming up. I've got a, 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 a Twitch streamer. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine who does a Twitch streaming and drag. Uh, I've got uh, more queer cartoonists that I'm lining up. Uh, so it's going to be great. Mondays, it's on at 6 o'clock uh, Pacific. I'm moving uh, up 5 till 5.30 for this coming one. But if you tune in around Monday evening, uh, Eastern time, like 8.30, 9 o'clock-ish, uh, they're on Facebook, our Facebook page. They're on YouTube. And they're on my Twitch stream, which if you're on Twitch and you want to follow me, it's Curling Bear. Uh, and I'll put that link up on the Facebook page as well. So it's streamed to all three platforms and they'll, they'll be available on IG, Instagram TV and all the other platforms uh, after they're done and eventually here as a podcast. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Who is the uh, who is the queen that uh, Twitch streams in drag? Uh, aphasia she's a vegas queen nice um and then i've got a couple more twitch friends that might come on uh, specifically i want to talk about how it is to stream video games in drag because you know trixie obviously does it very famously and there are a bunch of other queens who i've kind of gotten to know of who do it but uh it's it's quite its own special part of twitch now and it's really exciting to uh to uh to talk to her about that nice and uh Trixie did. She has put those on hold for the time being. Although, uh, shout out to her cover of Lana Del Rey's video games. Speaking of uh, (laughs) playing video games online. And it's her first uh, charting pop song. She was on, I think, the iTunes. She broke the top 50 uh, pop chart on iTunes the other day with her cover of video games when it debuted. So, uh, good on you, Ms. Mattel. All right. BJ, what is your one up? So, for those of you that may not be uh, as Sony inclined as the rest of us, a a little faux pas happened this week where um, Sony, Sony finally revealed the price of the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 Digital and uh, did not release the pre-order date, which was actually supposed to be the day after the announcement. However, Walmart uh, jumped the gun, and so immediately after the uh, reveal video happened, which had some really good stuff, if you haven't seen, um, it had a really good play uh, demo for uh, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, But uh, immediately after the the feed ended at around 4.30, um, they released their pre-orders, which caused a domino effect 
everywhere. Uh, so after Walmart released their pre-orders, Target, GameStop, and Best Buy slowly started to open their their pre-orders. Did not nobody and Sony said like I even signed up for a Sony email, and I even signed up to be a Sony player to get a PS5 directly from Sony. Um, but nobody got a heads up email. Nobody got any information. And I think at midnight Thursday morning, I woke up to pee, went to Best Buy, saw that there was one for pre-order, couldn't remember my pre-order information, and, uh, proceeded to, uh, miss it. Um, so, uh, kind of lamented, like with everybody else, um, a friend of mine in Chicago, um, Jaden, said that there were people in line watching the video on their phone waiting to walk up to the counter to ask if pre-order, if they could pre-order. And since they had not received any information as to whether or not they could or could not, GameStop sent out some pre-orders. So, um, I had given up, uh, Friday rolled around and... Um, I follow a specific Twitter that will go unnamed because I don't know if I should name them on this podcast. Um, and he posts <laughs> when, he posts when good deals pop up and everything. And he posted that at 9 p.m. our time, um, that, uh, pre-orders were going to pop back up at Walmart. And as much as I didn't want to fucking do it through Walmart, the one who kicked off all this nonsense, um... I sat at my computer, slamming the refresh button over and over again, and three times I logged it. I got all the way to the checkout screen, clicked checkout, and it said out of stock. Um, did it one more time when I thought maybe some kid's mom's credit card uh, bounced or something, uh, and I was actually able to get one of the last pre-orders through that night uh, at Walmart. So I snagged a PS5 clutch at... Nine at nine forty five p.m. Friday. Which one of the so, reasons that this is such a big debacle is last week Sony announced that they had to lower their estimated production numbers because of some it, chip issues that they were having with uh, supply uh, supplier suppliers due to the COVID situation. Yeah, um, so, um, so everyone's extra jumpy about trying to get one for release date. Yeah, and normally, um, so here's a little thing, if, uh, listeners, if you did not know this, um, if you, um, uh, are upset that you can't get a, uh, shiny new PS5, around the holidays, Sam's Club, Costco, and all those other big, um, stores like that, they don't do pre-orders for electronics or their stuff. They put out, um, if you have, like, a membership there... They put out like a holiday, like, like, uh, Toys R Us used to do back in the day, just to date myself. Um, they'll put out a holiday bundle thing, and nine times out of ten, they will have whatever new gaming system is available at Sam's Club or at, like, Costco. Here's the downside, because this is what I had to do for my PS4. They usually let people buy up to three of them. You will get the people that work at eBay, that work at eBay, that sell stuff on eBay, that will get the bundle. And the bundles are usually a decent price, and they will sell it for twice the price on eBay. So you have to get there before them. So call whatever Sam's Club or Big Box store 
But yeah, uh, because I literally got to, I went to this, I'm around the corner from a Sam's Club. I went there for my PS4 and a guy grabbed all of the, sli- you grab a slip, you pay for it and you pick it up. Um, a guy grabbed all three slips and walked out. And I found another uh, Sam's Club down the road from me, drove there, got the one of the last slips, went to check out, here comes that same guy walking in there to buy another three. So if you do try to get your PS5 through Sam's Club or something like that where they don't do pre-orders and they will have a, a decent number, um, just know you better get there before that uh, eBay, eBay jackwad. <laughs> wow that's yeah. just fucking crazy yeah we were uh we were doing game night uh digital game night on wednesday night and uh, i think zach had mentioned something about uh being distracted because he was thinking that pre-orders had happened and i was looking for stuff and there was nothing and i just i i love the fact that you say that uh people were watching the stream in line and because there was no word one way or the other gamestop just said sure we'll do pre-orders what fucking world is that? Like, right? honestly, if if Sony doesn't say, hey, this is the pre-order, this is this, who just goes like, sure, we'll take your money, cool. I mean, and that's anywho. And that's what happened. That's 100%. Because originally, yeah. I think everybody who signed up, if you were a PS Plus subscriber, everybody that signed up for the, like, potential system you could get directly through Sony, you were supposed to get an email from them after that uh, stream had had finished. After that event finished, you were supposed to get an email stating the time, and it was supposed to be like noon on a Friday, some some very like middle of the road time, where a good number of people who had planned it out. Because I literally, I'm off Fridays. I was literally planning on camping out over at GameStop Friday morning and walking in because I've got their frequent buyer thing, and I was like, I'm gonna get these points. Because these games are going to be expensive. So, so mama needs these points. And I had a $40 coupon. I'm like, let's put this shit on layaway. Um, so I was just happy I was able to get one. I wasn't as lucky as... And it's just, it's annoying uh, when you plan out something like this so much. And then you're like, well, that just went to hell. Uh, Xbox had some beautiful shade to throw. Uh, where immediately after this all happened... They posted they they posted up on their Twitter pre-orders will open September twenty second for the Xbox One X and Xbox Xbox Series S. Um, at this time, we just want to make sure you guys have a heads up. Um, so for yeah, the new, for the new Xbox or the new half an Xbox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, on the flip side, uh, I will say that during the live event, uh, if you did manage to procure a PS5 and you didn't see the live event, on um, day one, all of PlayStation 4's uh, top-selling games, including Persona 5, God of War, um, and uh, The Last of Us Remastered, will be up for free if you are a PS Plus subscriber for PS5 owners. So if you don't already have those in your game library, you can actually go and get and it's like I think it's like ten or twelve games for free, and it's their best selling PS4 games upscaled for the PS5 at the PlayStation Store. Nice. Very nice. Yep. I'm excited. But, you know, I did not I did not attempt to one, I did not really attempt to dig and really search for a pre-order 
uh, because I still have no idea what's going on with my stuff from the move. But no. I, uh, I still don't I have mean, a PS4. But if I was going to find one, I want to find one with the disc. Uh, once I get my PS5 and I get all my stuff transferred over, I'd be willing to uh, <laughs> sell you my PS4 if uh, you don't ever get part that resolved. Your, part with your PS4 for a nominal fee. Yeah, well, did you if, get the uh, digital if I or did you get the disc, I got the disc. I'm old school. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, I mean, if it comes down to it, and I can't get my my PS4 back, uh, which at this point we know is not going to happen. I'm probably just going to wait a bit, and uh, eventually, when they become a little more accessible, just get a PS5 with the uh, the disc edition and, and be able to utilize it for uh, PS4 games and uh, then for the new PS5 stuff that comes out. All right. So last but not least, I'm going to keep this uh, fairly brief. Uh, a special shout out to Antebellum, the new Janelle Monet feature film that released uh, to video on demand uh, sites, including Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video. I was going to try to watch it today before we recorded. That did not happen. I may still try to watch it tonight. Uh, before I go to bed, it looks fantastic. I'm excited to see what it's all about. They've kept very tight lipped on what the premise and what the whole kind of mythos behind it is. And I like that and I'm excited to see where it'll go. Uh, but, uh, in the vein of, I think what my last one up was for last month, uh, which was music because we had uh, a new album from Alanis, a new album from Taylor Swift, which is still giving me all of the fields, uh, both happy and sad um i would like to shout out mc30 hashtag mc30 mariah carey is uh not a fan of numbers and celebrating birthdays but she is celebrating 30 years since her debut album mariah carey uh released in the summer of uh 1990 and about this point in time in the year is when I became a fan. So I am celebrating 30 years of being a fan of Mariah Carey, which, God, I feel old. But hey, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I was that young homosexual that was all about Mariah Carey. Um, I won't say from the get-go, because when Vision of Love came out, my mom was all about the song. So it was like, ooh, I can't like what my mom likes. And uh, <laughs> exactly, right, Eric? But then uh, after Vision of Love had run its course and Love Takes Time came out, my mom was like, oh, I don't like this so much. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> so uh, ever since the second single, uh, Love, Love Takes Time, came out, I've been a huge fan. Mariah has spent the past few months uh, celebrating by putting out EPs of... Um, unreleased recordings of different songs. Um acapella versions is a lovely acapella version of underneath the stars um there's just a lot of great material that she's been putting out just to celebrate her illustrious career uh as one of the reigning voices in the music industry and in the pop and r&b industry and uh, she released a song called save the day featuring ms lauren hill really it's a sample of uh the 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 breakdown of uh the Fuji's cover of Killing Me Softly. Um, but she also just recently recently released uh, from her upcoming The Rarities album, which is due out in the beginning, either the end of September, the beginning of October. Um, 
her cover that she recorded back in 2000, 20 years ago. She re- released this cover of Irene Cara's Out Here on My Own from Fame and uh, an accompanying uh, lyric video for it, which is also tied into her upcoming memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. So I am just, uh, I am overjoyed in 30 years of Mariah Carey. I'm in, overwhelmed in, in just love the fact that she has pulled everything back together over the last 19 or so years, especially um, she has had some really high highs and some really low lows. And those really low lows started in 2001, um, right before Glitter came out. And then the soundtrack to Glitter came out on 9-11, 2001. So when everybody says they know exactly where they were, part of my journey on 9-11 was stopping at Target that morning and picking up the soundtrack to the movie Glitter. Uh, so that will forever be tied into my story. And um, to see her her rebound from that, to have an amazing comeback in 2005 with uh, The Emancipation of Mimi uh, and E equals MC squared with some of her biggest modern hits. Um, but then to see her kind of fumble through a lot of it, but get herself together, uh, finally be properly diagnosed as uh, bipolar, getting on her medication, showing that there's no stigma in mental health uh, awareness and mental getting help for mental health issues. Um and in the past couple of years, releasing probably one of her most solid albums since that 2005-2007 era uh, in Caution and seeing her in concert and seeing her back to form. I, I love it. I'm excited to not only get the book, hopefully there's you know signed copies that you can order somewhere. Um, it comes out at the beginning of October, which is my birth month which um, if anybody would like to buy me a copy, let me know so I don't I don't buy one. Um, I'll probably still buy one anyway. But if I can get an autographed copy, I would love it. And I'm definitely getting the audiobook because she is reading her own book. And uh, to hear her read it to me will be a fantastic uh, little birthday celebration. So that's my one-up. That's what's giving me life. Uh, music is a huge thing for me. And now that I'm in my car a lot more, um, driving from house to house, trying to get people set up with... Uh, uh, proper home security. Um, I have stopped listening to podcasts while I'm out in the field because the music keeps me uh, grounded and and motivated. And um, yeah, music has been fantastic for me. So I enjoy it. I love it. Uh, and that is my one up. So we thank you all for hanging out with us, listening to us chatter on about the month in pop culture. Remember, if you would like to follow us on, on the social medias, go ahead over to our website, flameonshow.com. We have links to all of our different social media, uh, including our Instagram, which has been popping like our lip gloss. Uh, thanks to Brian and his series of uh, interviews you, with queer comics you, you creators and, uh, and just fabulous queer people in general. Um, our YouTube channel is where you can find the videos for those uh, those interviews along with his Twitch channel and uh, our Facebook. So uh, aside from his Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash curlingbear, uh, where you can go follow him there. And I'm only like five or six followers away from being an affiliate on Twitch. So feel free to head over to twitch.tv slash bears in the city. Um, so I can, I can start doing some more fun stuff on Twitch. Um, so go check all those things out. If, uh, you would like to help us on Patreon and be- by becoming a patron, 
head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and uh more great content is coming to our patreon very shortly and uh until uh next time two weeks from now you'll be hearing a microsode which may be one of those interviews i was just referencing earlier uh then uh yeah uh, we'll be back with more amazing content coming to you very soon in your ear holes and until next time bye bitches wear a mask wear a mask wear a mask hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.